Hi, and welcome to a special edition of NRN's Extra Serving, a restaurant industry podcast by Nation's Restaurant News. I'm your host, Holly Petrie, here with the latest episode. I'm here to introduce my two co-hosts. My name is Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief of Nation's Restaurant News. And I'm Leanne Zinsmeister, Managing Editor of Nation's Restaurant News. We are here to talk about the Women's Food Service Forum, WFF, which we just got back from. We're here to talk about our takeaways. Right, guys? That's right. Yes, yes. we spent three days in Dallas with thousands of people. I I believe uh, I I heard 2,000 people were at this event, which was um, certainly the biggest event I have been to in over two years. It may be the biggest event I've ever been to. You've been to an NRA show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have to do that. <laughs> Mine so, completely wiped. <laughs> have, have you ever been to a concert, too? Have you been to a concert? Say, I think just, the last two years just wiped my brain, and I was I like, people? So. <laughs> yeah, I think this was the biggest restaurant industry event I've ever been to, but I have been to um, sold-out shows at Madison Square Garden, so. Yeah. Different vibe. No, Leanne, we are going to um, introduce Leanne to the NRA show in just a couple of months, and it's going to be so much fun to show you what that beast is all about. I'm already bracing myself and looking for comfortable shoes. So smart. But we will have a podcast lounge at the NRA show as well. So uh, stay tuned for those. But it's going to be similar to what we did here at WFF. We have a lot of podcasts coming out for you guys. Um, we recorded so many podcasts at the show. Today's episode is just going to be a few of them. There's going to be so many more coming out after this. So please stay tuned for so many great, great interviews. Um, but first, let's talk about some of our takeaways. So, Sam, what was your takeaway from the show? Yeah, my my takeaway was that you should not underestimate the power of networking. Um, I think this was uh, something that resonated in a lot of the interviews that we had with folks at WFF, which is, you know, this was the first time for a lot of people to get out in the past two years and to go to an event, connect with people, learn, grow. Um, and and that idea of networking kept coming up over and over. This is something I've I've seen throughout my career. I know you two have seen this as well, which is, you know, when you get out and you network with people in the industry, it can lead to so many open doors, not only for just connections of good people to know who can teach you, but also, you know, for career development and helping you to understand the direction of your career and what you hope to accomplish in it. And WFF, of course, is so much about empowerment and development and leadership and for so many of the women and men who attend it's you know about showing you what is possible for your career and your talent and skill set and networking really activates that and so uh, a conference like this but also you know smaller events too as you you know get out go just go to things where folks who are also in your industry, whatever that industry is, right? I mean, because for, for us, our industry is actually media, you know, and so we have, you know, done media things, but also the restaurant industry being the industry that we cover is one that we get out in, into and, and network. And um, so I guess I would just say, you know, if you do not do that, if your head is down and you are so busy running your restaurants and managing your teams or whatever it is, look up once in a while, get out and go connect with people who are in your shoes, because I think you would be amazed at those doors that it can open for you. And it's fun. It's fun to know. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Sometimes too much fun. (laughs) 
<laughs> Take it from Sam. <laughs> have tempered fun, everybody. Temper your fun. <laughs> have a have an appropriate level of fun make connections have, have fun and go to bed before midnight advice that we did not take except holly did i did yes. the youngin did yes well done you've you've grown so much so quickly good job holly but i we heard that from a lot of people who were saying you know like that uh, they loved the networking they they were just saying like it was so nice to be back in networking like usually networking is a chore people think it's a like in the olden days in the before times networking was a chore people would say you know i hate networking i have to network i have to network and now people are like i get to network i get to network i get to do all these things and now there's an yeah. excitement to it it's not a great term, right? Networking feels like a sort of boring corporate -y term. But the fact of the matter is, is I mean, it's as simple as grabbing a drink with somebody else who does something parallel to what you do and just having a conversation. That is networking. But I think because it's gotten this boring, you know, impression of, you know, rubbing elbows with bigwigs or whatever that is, then it can come across as being not something you want to do. But it is something that should be something you do. And to your point, Holly, can be fun. Definitely. So Leon, what is your takeaway? We'll go around the circle. All right. <laughs> uh, my takeaway is that there was much more talk, I feel like, than usual of taking care of your mental health and self-care and all those things. Now, this was my first WFF event, so I guess I can't specifically speak to that. But having been to restaurant industry events since 2016, this was really the first time I had heard any talk of those subjects, um, and it felt like a common thread running through the week. At the networking lunch on Monday, I had the chance to sit at a table with people from different companies throughout the industry, and everyone was just talking about how are you taking care of your mental health, and really because it's something that I think everybody focused on at the height of the pandemic, and now that we are starting to get out to industry events, people are going into their offices more frequently, and everyone really wants to hang on to those things that helped keep them sane for the last two years, and I think that's great. It's interesting. I heard a lot of people at this conference were saying that they were in the office a lot, that mm -hmm. a lot of people were moving back into the office. We're still not in the office. Um, openly not the new york office is right. still not in the office um so but a lot of people at the conference were saying that they're they're in the office and that's tough to to figure out how to balance kids how to balance you know your mental health how to balance all these things that people had sort of figured out when they were at home and you yeah. had, you had almost figured out this sort of weird life when you were at home it wasn't normal by any means and it wasn't people knew it wasn't permanent but they had figured it out and going back it was almost like a shock to your mental health. Yeah, so there was a lot of talk of taking some of those habits that we cultivated at home and implementing them in an office-friendly way. So blocking out time on your calendar, taking a lunch break, going for a walk. Uh, the things that we didn't always do before, but now that we've realized how helpful they can be, everyone is looking for ways to keep those things in their professional lives. And I think that's you know gonna hopefully have a lasting positive influence on our industry and others. Yeah, I guess I would add too. I mean, you know, one of the things that is, um, you know, should be acknowledged is we we are among the fortunate who 
have a, you know, can work from home uh, in a pandemic era, which of course so many in the restaurant industry in particular have continued to be at what we were calling the front lines, but just, you know, in the restaurants and still, um, you know, out there working. And, and but but point is the same is true for, for those folks too, which is, you know, everybody in the restaurant industry needs to focus on mental health. And I know that it was, you know, WFF, all all levels of leadership were present, you know, from in the restaurants all the way up to the C-suite. And um, at every level, whether you're working at home, in an office, or behind a counter, making sure you're implementing those things that can take care of yourself. I mean, the last two years have been a lesson in um, rolling with the punches, adapting to new realities. And, you know, now that we're two years into this, it is important to, again, sort of look up, recognize what your situation and improve it, optimize it for your physical, mental and health, and then, you know, take some steps. And so um, definitely important at all levels to be able to do that. And so our final takeaway comes from me. Uh, so. Holly, what's your takeaway from this? <laughs> I was just gonna say it. I didn't even need, I didn't need an intro. <laughs> Turning the um, microphone on you. <laughs> been on me the whole time <laughs> little do you know <laughs> Truth. Uh, <laughs> um, so the final takeaway is that you can cultivate leaders from inside your company and you should be cultivating them from inside your own company um, we spoke with a lot of change makers at the company at the leadership conference who are people who have been nominated by their own companies as change makers who are doing really important things who are they think who are going to be the next leaders in the company um, and we talked with them and they were saying that they want to grow within the company. They want to, they want to excel within the company. And so it's important to pick people who you want to cultivate their skills within your company so they can eventually become people in the C-suite. So the C-suite is then full of women, is then full of people who look like the population around them. Um, we spoke with James Pogue in this episode. You're going to hear from him. Um, but a little sneak preview. He said, um, we went from women representing seven CEOs a few years ago to three. So we're moving backwards. And so, you know, he's noticing, James Pogue is noticing, everybody else is noticing that we're losing representation in the C-suite. And the best way to get representation is to groom people from the lower ranks of the company all the way up through the higher ranks. That's the best way to get representation in the C-suite. And so you really have to grow talent from the bottom levels up. Um, and that's what we learned at WFF is that people want to grow within these companies. They are really passionate about what they're doing. They're passionate about the companies. They're passionate about the industry. Um, and so it's really nice to see that they want to that they want to grow within their companies and that these companies want to help them grow. So far, what we've been seeing is that they want to help them grow. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, there's there's this sort of stark contrast at a place like WFF, which is anytime there was a CEO who spoke or was you know present, it was pretty much almost always a white man. Um, and and speaking as a white man, you know, uh, of course, I can applaud those men for being present, being active. You know, there's a role that white men have to play here, too, which is something that James Pogue has spoken about. I know we spoke with him about that at Create in Denver last year, the role of, of white men to be able to champion women, people of color, you know, to to, to develop those folks. And so, um, the, you know, those people were present at WFF, too. But just the, you know, sort of on display, that lack of representation from women and people of color in the um CEO position in particular, but you know, something, a theory I've had, I think um, James has spoken on this too, which you know, this is something that takes time. 
um, that, you know, we are in this position where many of the leadership positions are white men, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be that way forever, that, you know, those those folks who are, um, you know, who are people of color and women in leadership positions, they are working their way up. And, and the hope is that within five to 10 years, you know, many more of the CEO positions are going to be um, from those communities. But that has that there has to be the work put in to make sure that happens. And that's what has to happen now. And by the way, the last thing I would add to that too, to your point, Holly, is it makes business sense, right? I mean, just developing people, no matter who they are, developing people makes sense because it, look at the great resignation. I mean, it, it's it's costly to lose your talent. You need to reach down and pull up people because it's the right thing to do and it's the right thing to do for your business especially because that way you can make sure you're establishing culture which i know restaurants love to talk so much about this is how you do it well that's just what donna tuttle was saying when she was on our podcast is that they got their work back they put in all this work with their employees and they got everything back to them tenfold during the great resignation because they were working with their employees they were they had their backs during covid they were they were there for them and their employees were there for them during the great resignation. They stuck with them and they didn't leave Whataburger. So, I mean, it was really interesting. So it, it works. It's been proven that it works. If you, if you have your employees backs and you're there for them and you, you know, they give them six figure salaries, they, they work hard with their employees. They give them these great perks and they want them to grow in careers. And so if you give your employees careers and you want them to grow and you want to help them succeed, the employees will be there for you. And we've seen it. So those are some great takeaways, guys. Uh, I think we did a great job summarizing the conference. Uh, it was fun. I think we did. A f I think we had fun. Sure. Oh, yeah, sure. I just thought it was funny. You were giving us a pat on the back. Good job, guys, for we did a good job summarizing that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, we it, it's a great event. Um, if I, you know, if you've not heard of Women's Food Service Forum, um, you know, go take a look at this organization. Um, whether, by the way, if you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter. Uh, it's a good organization to be involved with. But also, yeah, just broadly, um, look outside your own organization for resources that can support you. Events, organizations, associations, whatever those things are. There are there are so many resources in this industry, including Nations Restaurant News, and I uh, am happy to know that hopefully you're, you're looking at us for a resource, but so many others that you should look at and um, invest your time in because it'll help you in your, in your business. Yes, and we do also have our Women's Power List dropping today. We're recording on a Tuesday, so we have our Women's Power List dropping today, so please be sure to check that out on the website. We have some really great, wonderful women on the list. Um, so check out some of the 25 most influential women in food service. So James, welcome to our podcast. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you are a return guest. We are so happy to have you back here. I'm, I am a return guest. I'm number two, that's number two. Number, number two? two? Many, <laughs> well, James, what has been some of the biggest challenges over the past two years for you? I'll tell you what, over the last two years, not being able to have face-to-face -face contact with people in order to have really uh, deep and enriching conversations. Zoom is fantastic. It has this opportunity to sort of tell problems, but all the wonderful pieces around body language and the little things that you get to learn between people's eyebrows and so on and so forth to help make uh, meaning out of what it is that they're saying. In, in addition, there's a, um, and the, the things that people are writing and the things that people are talking about, there seems to be oftentimes a, uh, a lack of connection. 
that is happening. People are in the silos talking about, writing about, thinking about what is important to them. But because folks aren't getting together in ways uh, that they used to in the past, the ideas aren't informing one another. So they're kind of out there by themselves, which is something, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, before, we had uh, layered things. It's sort of like really good lasagna. It comes in layers. You know? <laughs> We love a good lasagna here. <laughs> I just came from lunch, but you're making me hungry again. <laughs> and so, you know, how how do you overcome a challenge like that? How do you get through something like that where, you know, you you can't get get have a face to face conversation. You can't do something like that. How do you get over that? Yeah, you have to do it on purpose. You can't accidentally have great relationships with people. You have to purposely say, I would like to talk to you. I would like to learn from you. I would like to share something with you. I'd like for you to read something that I wrote and give me your, uh, some feedback. I'd like to do the same for you. Uh, it's, it's like having a great mentoring relationship. You can't accidentally do that either. Yeah, it has to be intentional. It has to be purposeful. Every great relationship is on purpose. So if we want to have great relationships with one another personally or professionally, it has to be intentional. It has to be on purpose. It has to be, there has to be some version of a plan that's involved which lends itself to a, a pseudo next step, which is those of us that happen to call ourselves leaders. If you have decided to take on the yoke of leadership, then what is required in that is being intentional in the relationships that you have with your team members. And so that requires some face-to-face -face time, it requires some Zoom time, it requires some phone call, it requires understanding who they are, where they want to go, how they want to get there, and some of their gaps might be, and how you can help them with those. What a beautiful answer. What is your source of inspiration for getting through the pandemic? I mean. You must have so many. You're such an inspirational guy. Well, you know, I don't know about the inspirational guy. But, <laughs> but, but, but getting through the pandemic was in so many ways not so bad until I got over it, right? So when I was um, uh, by myself, I'm kind of an introvert anyway, so it wasn't killing me. I'm reading books, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm Netflix, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm watching all the great stuff on television. Um, but then, because it was my option, to be by myself. What I learned is when I had to be by myself, when I wasn't feeling well, that was a lot harder. And I, I have, I'm so glad that I invested in relationships with people and made, had expectations of them that they would check on me. They would make sure that I was okay. And they invested in me, as I mentioned before, they couldn't come see me, but I would hear a slight knock on the door and I'd go out there and there'd be a bag of something, you know, a bag <laughs> of goodies or soup or something like that. Or somebody who is saying, I care about you. I, I'm, I'm thinking about you. I, you're important to me. So I, I think that, that that part of it was so critical to recognize that the investment that I had made in people and that people had made in me was paying dividends and paying dividends at a time when I needed it and I didn't really know that I needed it. I mean, it sounds like you're talking so much about just people and the love of people and just the need for people to be around other people, which is what we're doing here at WFF right now. You mentioned a word that isn't used enough, love, right? We spend a lot of time talking around it. We use other words like compassion or empathy or connection or engagement. When What if we just happen to use the word love? What if we just happen to describe it? I can love you as a professional and you can love me as a colleague or as a team member. Then how are you supposed to treat me if you love me? How are you supposed to treat me as my leader if you love me? How am I supposed to treat you as my leader if I love you? Right? As opposed to simply being empathetic or simply being compassionate. Love gives us an opportunity to wrap all of those things together. And that, uh, if I can go back to the beginning of your question, that to me is inspirational. Finding the love in the, in the moments with people with whom I didn't know that I loved and cared for in that way. 
And so that brings up my next question, which is why is it important to get out in the industry and network? If you're going to love people, you know, you're, you're going to network, you're going to love, you've got to love everybody. It's, it gives me the opportunity to grow. I, as I mentioned before, I'm an introvert. So going to these <laughs> kinds of conferences can be instinctively a chore. So I have to push myself to do it or get pushed by friends to do it who love me and want the best for me. <laughs> they know that I need to get out and be seen. And they have an expectation I'm going to share myself with others. So uh, that is, is why that network can be important. I can grow. So I can help other people grow. It's really important to me that if I spend five minutes with somebody, their life's a little bit better because of me. Right? And I might as well lean into that if I say it's important. Otherwise, I should just go home and do things at home. Instead, I come out here and try to learn something, try to get smarter, be around people that are better at something than me, and ask them how I can get better at it as well. And so building on that, how would you recommend some of our listeners find inspiration? I mean, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, how you, how you hope that listeners come out of this with something. I mean, well, how, would you, how would you help them find inspiration? Sure. One, I think that you can find it in the content that is here if you are intentional about it. They, they have great speakers that are lined up, so get engaged with that. And open your mind, but also your notebook, and take some notes on what they're saying, what they've read, what they're reading, what they're engaging with. And then take that information and dialogue with other folks over lunch or dinner or something like that. One of the other things I really love about this conference is the impromptu intellectual conversations that occur. You can stumble into an intellectually engaging conversation that can feed you, that can inspire you but you have to be available to it. There's a, an argument for people should have their phones taken away for like you know, <laughs> three hours at a time and force people to engage with one another. Because if, if not, we can revert to a Zoom mindset because we have our phones in front of us. And that creates distance between you and the person who might be in front of you who can feed you and help you grow in a variety of ways. So, you know, last time we talked with you on the podcast, it was a very different conversation. We're talking about inspiration this time. We're talking about hope for the future. What are some things that you hope for the future? Uh, well, you know, we are at WFF and it, uh, it lends itself to gender issues, right? And I think that there is an argument for there's, there has not been enough done and there's been too much backsliding that has occurred since the summer of 2020 or 2019. You can even go back half a year if you want to. And there's, there's, there's too much that needs to be done. And so I, I think that what we need to reconsider those folks particularly that happen to be in positions of authority and making ability to make hiring decisions is that you have to go and get the talent and put it where it belongs there's way too many talented women that are not in the right spot and you oftentimes mr leader know who they are so move them to where it is that they are supposed to be so they can help the organization succeed i mean how did we go from i think it's seven um seven women who are leading organizations to, I think it's three right now. How, how does that happen? It, it, you, you get to it on purpose, but if you don't pay attention to it, you can backslide. So I think that there has to be an aggressive movement towards that. Not just the, at, the, at the highest levels, but feeding up to these director levels, feeding up to the VP levels, feeding up to the C-suite. These things have to be done with intention, as I mentioned previously, and with a certain level of aggression. I feel like that's a lot of the way that you talk about hiring racially, too, is that it needs to be done with intention. This needs to be done very intentionally. You, again, you can't accidentally have gender equity. It, it doesn't happen accidentally. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen. 
we have a lot of work to do before things like that will just be organic. And while I am optimistic, I also recognize there's work. We have to put our shoulders to the wheel and make things happen. Now, I'll say it on both sides. There's a, the, the, the women have to be well prepared. You shouldn't go out and just, you know, promote people just willy-nilly. But there are, they, they exist. So go get them and put them where the, it is that they belong, where they can do the best, do the best work. And at the same time, I, I, I don't want uh, anything that I say to come off as, I want to beat up on white guys. So I think that's inappropriate. It's unfair. Th these, are, these are good people trying to do the right thing most of the time. They just may not have the visibility on what the right thing is. So there are those of us who have decided that it is our life's work to help us see one another and to see one another for the talent that we bring to the table and for the passion and purpose that we want to uh, make a part of the organization. What, I think that's such a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much, James Pogue, for speaking with me today. No problem, happy to be here. <laughs>
both in your immediate family, those at work, etc. So for me, I think it had to start there. Um, and then obviously, in my work, I have the opportunity to connect and be around fantastic women and have dialogue every day. And so you get a lot of opportunity to get inspiration and nuggets of help um, all the time just through the community. So you talked about this being a hybrid event this year. Yes. A couple years of just virtual events mm -hmm. for WRFF. Why was it important for you to bring back the in-person element to give women these opportunities to network and collaborate in person? Yeah, well, the in-person was an easy decision because that always was like the way we did this event. And it was the way, and we know from our history, that we were able to really inspire and lift and, and have women and men, our male allies, leave feeling super re-energized and ready to just attack their goals. So the getting back to in-person wasn't the tough decision. I think the question was whether or not you maintained the virtual element. And frankly, for us, I know others have made decisions where they got back to in-person and then the virtual went away. We realized that this ability to actually live stream and bring this to, like I said, people where they are in case they can't be here in Dallas or they are in Dallas were both beautiful ways to, to just connect the community. So really we have just found hybrid to be a breath of fresh air um, for the reach. Um, and also, like I said, to, to, to give this option and choice in the way that women want to receive it. So what's your assessment of the current state of gender equity Yes, you know, I think like everybody, we're all on a learning journey, you know, and we'll make progress and sometimes it slips back. Um, so the good news is we are and have made progress. And the good news is everyone, especially if they're here, and we've had a lot of our CEOs and presidents and C-suite leaders show up here. They're here to support. Um, is that, that means that we're all trying to be forward acting and sharing together what are ways in which we can make this difference happen. Obviously, some of the big things still come back to recognizing that we say DE&I, but DE&I are three very different initials, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they all have their own very separate needs to really help make progress against, right? So I think it's really factually looking at the way we're approaching things like hiring, performance review practices, right? Um, simple things like that to make sure we're truly catching and eliminating biases. And look, if they're unconscious, you don't necessarily know you're there. And then also creating safe space um, where your employee base and, and your leaders and everyone realizes they're in safe space. They should be showing up as their authentic selves and working and having conversations and not worrying about being perfect about it, right? Um, we're all in this journey together, and I believe those are some important tasks to help us move it forward. Last question for you, Therese. What are you looking forward to in the year ahead? I'm looking forward to continuing to connect with everyone. <laughs>
and continuing to share and make sure we're each moving our own stories forward and the power of remembering that women need to lift women too, right? Um, and be there for each other. So obviously I'm looking forward to a year of continuing to bring the resources in the community um, to women across our industry so that this doesn't become just a one moment of inspiration, but it becomes 365 days of inspiration and a community for them to connect to. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Marie. Tracy Skeens of Young Brands, thank you so much for sitting down today. Uh, Tracy, you have a big title. Why don't you tell the audience what you do for Young Brands? Because you have a lot of hats that you wear. Sure. Well, I've been the chief people officer for Yum for several years now, and that is... If, you know, for a company like Yum, our people—it's everything. You know, we, we've got 1.5 million team members around the around the world that work in our restaurants, and so to make sure that we have the right people strategies and get the right people in the right places at the right times, make sure the right franchisees are in place that value people and value culture—that's important to us. And I've been doing that role for a long time, and it's—I um, think it's one of the most important ones we have at Yum. We just believe so firmly in people first and people's capability abilities first. And then add to that the chief operating officer role for Yum with four brands, a global company, a huge company. I like to think of that role as the conductor of the orchestra, if you will, that it's, you know, I, I got to keep things running, got to keep things going smoothly, make sure what we, all the strategies that we put in place to, to build great brands and deliver great customer experiences that they all come together. So, mm -hmm. so for such a big system, what are some of the mechanisms that you guys have in place to invest in people? What does that look like? Oh, well, there's so many. I, I It would take forever to list them off. But, you know, first of all, I think it comes from a, starting with a culture where we really do believe in all people. And that, and that comes from a place of our customers are people from every walk of life around. I mean, there, there's we, we serve everyone in, in the world. And so our beliefs around people first stem from believing in all people, that everyone should have um, a chance to work for our system. Everyone has the chance to advance. And then more specifically, we spend a ton of time, first of all, thinking about how do we get people into our system. You know, we really want to create pathways for people to join. They can work in our restaurants. They can have career advancement, career growth from there. Certainly in our more corporate roles around the globe and with our franchisees, do we have the right leadership development? Um, are we enabling people to build their functional skills perhaps earlier in their career and then, um, but also lean into character development, lean into leadership skills as they grow and become coaches or leaders of leaders? And, you know, we believe very, very strongly in that the, the, the people are what make a company like ours run. We've got our brands and our people. And so the more we can invest in programs, in development, in making sure that people are included, people feel that they belong and that they have the skills that they need to do a great job each and every day, we believe that that's what builds the brands for the future. Yeah. The last two years being so trying on many different levels, what have been some of those biggest challenges in, in accomplishing that, considering everything that's been going on? Sure. Well, for, for like any company, the, the last couple of years, you, you really had to, in so many ways, become a, a lot quicker at pivoting, being agile, and what do you need to do in a moment's notice? You don't you don't have three months any longer to respond to a crisis. You had to respond in three hours or three days. And so we 
focused first and foremost on our employees' health and safety. That It became the North Star and how do we make sure that our restaurant employees that went to the front lines every day, how were they safe? How did we make sure that they got the paid time off that they needed, that the, the sick time that they needed? You never know who was going to have to take care of a family member, take care of themselves and making sure that they were able to feel as comfortable as possible coming to work when so many of us were locked down at home. And then for our above restaurant employees, during the these last couple of years of the pandemic, we really had to focus on mental health for them. You know, it's a, it was a change. The whole world was experiencing something scary, something personal to everyone. But but that manifested differently depending on your stage of life. Um, and so we did a lot of things to make sure that we communicated with our employees as much as possible. And that's something that I think made a huge difference is the transparent communication with our frontline employees, with our franchisees and with our above restaurant employees. How could we share what we knew, share what we didn't know, um, talk to them about how we were making decisions, and if we weren't ready to make a decision yet, explain that as well. I think communicating in a way that was more timely, um, more authentic and vulnerable, even when we didn't have all the answers, made a huge difference during the last couple of years. Sure. So the theme of this week has been limitless inspiration. Over the past couple of years, while things have been so challenging at work and elsewhere, where have you been finding inspiration to overcome these challenges? Well, I have taken a ton of inspiration from our talent at Yum. I, having worked for Yum for a long time now, I, I stand by the fact that we have some of the very best people in the world that, that mean well, that are great leaders, that are you know, this restaurant industry, the food service industry, it's people serving people. And that has always resonated with me personally. These last few years, the inspiration of watching people overcome these challenges, people dug really deep to keep on going. But regardless of what role they had, we had people that perhaps needed to learn a new skill right away. And they just dove into that despite whatever challenges might have been happening. I also took a lot of inspiration getting to learn more about people personally during the last few years. One of the benefits of people being virtual and working from home is you got to actually, in so many cases, meet people's families and see the way they live and see them in a more, I guess, authentic way. Um, and I, I enjoyed that. I liked getting to know our talent on a deeper level and being able to hopefully make a difference to them. And I know they made a difference to me. They provided an, a huge amount of inspiration during these couple of years. Sure. Tracy, last question for you. Um, thinking about, you know, here, Women's Food Service Forum, definitely about empowering, elevating women. Um, but of course, broadly, of course, attention toward more diversity, equity, inclusion in the restaurant industry. What, what needs to happen from here on out, not just for young brands, but just looking at the restaurant industry generally, what are some steps that we still need to take? Well, I, I am so proud of the progress that the food service industry has made in the last many years. Women's Food Service Forum being founded 33 years ago, we've come a long way. The, the numbers in terms of gender equity, gender parity have definitely moved in, in a great direction, in the right direction, but we're not nearly where we need to be. And more broadly than that, I am really pleased that if anything, the last few years have also shown 
diversity of all sorts is needed. Again, the, the, the food service industry serves customers from every walk of life, and therefore the people in our restaurants, in the food service industry, and certainly the leaders of the food service industry should reflect that. And I really believe that WFF is, in many ways, it's, it's set to take the future by stride. It's really set to, to say all of these leaders, a conference like this where you see thousands of people coming back to be in person again, there's energy. There's energy in the food service industry to, to move towards greater equity, towards more inclusivity, um, and making sure that the potential of all the people that start in this industry is truly unlocked. I, I think it could be hugely powerful, and I think it will be. I think the progress we'll make in the next few years will greatly eclipse the progress of the last few years. It's very encouraging. Tracy Skeens of Yum Brands, thank you so much for joining us.